You're listening to Living Heritage, a show about the people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. During the late 19th and early 20th century, Henry William Winter, an ambitious, self-taught furniture maker in Clark's Beach, Conception Bay, mass-produced furniture using simple hand tools and a few primitive machines. Back in October of 2008, I had a conversation with the grandson of the legendary furniture maker, William Bill Winter, and Newfoundland furniture expert Walter Peddle about Henry William Winter's life and legacy. It was recorded in front of a live audience at The Rooms in St. John's, and we start with the late Walter Peddle talking about his introduction to Henry William Winter. First time I I, um, experienced the uh, influence of Winter, and I wasn't aware of it at the time, was um, almost 50 years ago, just before I moved back to Newfoundland with my wife Sally. I'd come home and visit... uh, for summers at uh, Spaniards Bay, where my father had retired and come home, and often passing from Spaniards Bay through Clark's Beach on the way to St. John's and back again, there was this um, chair on top of a, a, a roof of a building on the main road in Clark's Beach. Uh, it, w- it was opposite the water side, and uh, the chair was perched up there, and it was sort of looking out the bay you know, out the sea. And uh, of, course, of course, my first impression was that um, workmen perhaps had been up on the roof and left the chair there, you know, they used it to <laughs> put things on or stand on or whatever. But I mean, you come back the next year and it'd still be there. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't know any, anything uh, about uh, furniture at that time and uh, I wasn't really interested in it uh, at all. But uh, when I moved back to Newfoundland, um, uh, soon after, my interest in country furniture um, uh, increased, and I got studying it. And uh, uh, I moved around a lot uh, uh, between Spaniards Bay and sort of towards Holyrood, visiting people I knew. And I would spot everywhere I went this very distinctive uh, furniture, you know, a very, very highly decorated and this sort of thing. It was obviously made by the same person, and damn, it was everywhere. You know, everywhere you went. And um, later, of course, I, I learned that uh, this was made by the man in Clark's Beach, uh, Henry William Winter. And I also um, found out that the chair was actually a sign of his business. You know, it was his way of advertising his business. And of course, I believe your grandfather uh, died, was it in 1931? 35, I think. Thir- thir- 35. So uh, he was advertising his business. And what was remarkable about it was uh, the, uh, tra- hand- handmade, the tradition of making handmade furniture had, for the most part, died out uh, in North America generally, in regions there in the 1870s. The factories took over, you know? I mean, things could be mass-produced and, and sold cheap, relatively cheaply. Here, here was this man using simple hand tools and a dog, which we might learn about later, crafting cool? huge quantities of furniture working. I learned later uh, when I interviewed your, your, um, your father, I mm-hmm. guess, and your mother, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, 
he used these simple, simple hand tools and competed against these mail order uh, uh, catalogs and factories. He was successful as furniture was all over. And, uh, you know, I was mind-boggled. He was able to do this, making the furniture by hand. So anyway, that was my first, first mm -hmm. experience learning about winter. It was fascinating to hear about. I wonder, Bill, uh, we've had an earlier conversation about the Winter family. Uh -huh. And uh, just hearing the name Winter, I always sort of assumed that it was an English sort of name. But apparently the, the family history is, is very different. It sort of comes uh, from a different place. Yeah, it is. Uh, winter is not an unusual name in Newfoundland. Uh, it's in Bonavista Bay and I think on the uh, south coast of Newfoundland. But our particular family goes back to uh, Denmark. We're three brothers came from Denmark. One of them, his name was Jens Christian Winter, married uh, a lady from uh, St. John's, or while well, she was living in St. John's at the time. And uh, the other two brothers, as far as I know, just went elsewhere, but he stayed here. So our roots, the roots, our genealogical roots go, or can be traced back to Denmark. And we've done that. We, we know who, who, um, who are great-great-grandparents, etc. Um, I don't know why they came here. Um, he, he, ch he changed the name to John, just to simplify it, I guess. Uh, for, but he worked as a cooper, married uh, Alan Hayes around, I think, 1860. But he died in 1869. She was left with um, uh, five children. Actually, there were, there were six children born. One, one died very young. So she was left with five children and decided uh, that to, in order necessary to raise her family, she moved back. She moved to Clark's Beach, where from that area, that's, that's where she had, she had come. Her family was there. So this is where Henry William Winter and, uh, grew up, basically. Yeah. So he was the the son then of the John that had That's come right. from Denmark. That's right, the John yeah. who came from Denmark with his other two brothers. And the, the family, there's a link to the Hayes family at some, uh, at some point? Well, her name was Ellen Hayes, but we haven't been able to actually pin down her, uh, her parents. We don't know where, whether she was from Cupid's, Brigas, North River, but um, I think she definitely came, was born in that area. I don't know what, what she was doing in St. John's. It could have been as a, uh, what they call in service, or I don't, we don't know that. Yeah. But she started to operate her own little business also. Now, I don't know if it's in the location. Uh, I have some, uh, that older photograph over there. I don't know if it's in that location or, or elsewhere, but it was definitely. I, I, I think you're, um Father Bill. Yeah. I think he mentioned the business was in that little store that's attached to the house. That's right. Okay. Yes. Uh, hopefully that, that is where it was because we do have uh, photographic documentation. Well, I, I'm pretty that. certain he, he said that. He said that. He okay. must know. Okay. He would have known. <laughs> yeah. So I guess from this and Tom Smart, who, who maybe you know that name also, uh, was his brother-in-law. And Tom was a, a wheelwright. And wheelwright, Henry, yes. And Hel Henry William wanted to learn that trade. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I guess he had some proficiency in that, but as as you pointed out, that there was very little money in it, and uh, yeah. he he turned to furniture making. Yes, your your, your father mentioned that uh, 
he had trouble getting money from yeah. from people. You know, he'd make wheels. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted mm -hmm. their wheels made, this sort sure. of thing, but they couldn't pay for them. Mm -hmm. So he, he reasoned that uh, if he went into making furniture, which he didn't know very much about at all, but he was a woodworker, people, if they wanted furniture, they mm -hmm. could probably afford to have it, and mm -hmm. they'd probably you know, pay right. him. Yeah. And Apparently it worked out very Possibly well. Possibly even pay up front, right, if they wanted it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Heaven forbid. Yeah. <laughs> now, as a as a boy uh, growing up, did you have a sense of of who your grandfather was in terms of furniture maker? Um, I think we did to some degree, but uh, just typical kids, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't emphasized. My dad, um, I guess people say. Your abilities in carpentry. Well, some men can't drive a nail straight, so I, <laughs> so he he didn't uh, carry that on. But his brother Nick did. I admit him. Uh, Nick was the youngest in the family, and uh, Nick basically took up the trade and learned under his father, and made um, quite a few things until he again it, it it worked the other way. It became unprofitable because of. Uh, mm -hmm of the times, uh, influx of uh, furniture, imported furniture. Yes, yes. So Nick found he could not make a living anymore. Mm. He couldn't sell a bedroom set for $60 or yes. whatever and make yes. make any money at it by the time he spent at it. Gain mass production. Gain mass production, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, Walter had mentioned this, this legendary chair that was on the roof of the building. And the, and the building that uh, we're talking about mm -hmm. no longer exists. No, yeah. no. It was across the road. It was from across the road from the house, and um, and what what can you describe that what that building was? Well, I can describe it just by pointing to that picture. <laughs> but, uh, it was uh, it, it was a combination, I think, of a workshop and a barn, and then in later years a, a, a garage. But I, I assume when my grandfather was alive, the upper one half this upper section was used as his workshop. Is that, and that's we always knew that as his workshop. His workbench was there, his tools were there, and uh, uh, sorted remnants of his, his furniture making also, uh, uh, spindles and, and mm -hmm. legs of chairs and tables and things like that. So that's, that's pretty well where he worked, I think. Nick, I've been reading a little bit about Nick. Uh, Nick says he, it was very dusty up there because they kept hay on one side. I don't know how he ever painted things. And yeah, and of course they had the same furniture when they were, they yeah. were making it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he, he, he did it and it's gone right away when he was uh, when he was put yeah. the finish on. It was out the door very shortly. I, or, I some, or they just kept it separated in okay. a different level. Wasn't yeah. it a two-story building? Two stories. Two stories. Yeah. So yeah. Probably they keep one section uh, where it wouldn't be dusty. That was. I, mm. They probably told me, you know, yeah. where that was, but I can't remember. That was what over thirty years yeah. ago, forty years. But it's it's to me it's quite remarkable. As Walter said, uh, the output was incredible. It, I mean, really we're still, incredible. We're still finding almost every. I only visit in the summer, and almost every summer I come home, someone is saying, "Well, I've got a piece, uh, a sideboard, or a bedroom set." So, yeah. and and it's. Somewhat recognizable, isn't it? I, I as, think as, it is, as a winter yes. piece, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and how would you how would you know that it was a winter piece if you were looking at it? Were there certain motifs that he that there used? are, yeah. yeah. yeah as, uh, Walter knows them almost off. Yeah, of course. One of the things he loved was those great sunburst carvings, yeah. related to mm -hmm. fan carvings. 
And of course, it's interesting that in other country furniture making traditions in North America, um, uh, th this fan carving or sunburst carving was only used in sort of high stuff furniture, you know, okay. fashionable furniture. Um, virtually no other vernacular furniture makings or, or country furniture making traditions use that motif. It was a high style motif as well as rope twist carving. And of course he had his sideboards and his, his uh, couches mm -hmm. or lounges full of it. Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so that, that, that that's very noticeable. That stands out. That, that sort of a strategy came from Ireland, of course. The, they also typically use sunburst carvings. There. Right. But his sideboards, he had uh, a number of versions, four or five different sideboards, but they were all very similar. Like the, the base in them, for example, are quite uh, sturdy, you mm -hmm. know, have a heavy feeling. Um, they each one at the working surface at the top had a little stepped up uh, shelf, and that was very distinctive. Most of the sideboards, you, you it was a sort of a hidden them. compartment when you pull the drawers too. On some of them, yes. On some of them, yes. Has, if you pull the drawer out, there's a ledge. Uh, well, whether it's the right or left drawer, yes. there's a little ledge there where you could actually. Uh, hide something away, cash, mm -hmm. I don't know. The one we saw, Peter, um, <coughs> Peter said was found in Nova Scotia, had a little, it looks like a hood on top, mm -hmm. you know, a little enclosure. I think that was one of his earlier examples. Okay. And his later ones, I think, had the mirror on, mm -hmm. on the back center, in the backboard. And some of his furniture has traveled. I mean, you, you were saying to me earlier that uh, a fair number of the family at a certain point had moved away right. from, from Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. All his children, except my dad, moved to the United States. Mm. So and I think it was a family of eight. One, again, a family of nine to begin with, and one passed away. So they all moved to the United States. So it's only in the last, basically since the, the exhibit in, was that 92? They started to look, Legacy in Wood, that was organized yes, by yes, Cynthia. Yes, yes. Cynthia Boyd. You were part yes. of it also. Yeah. So it's since then that our extended family uh, outside the country has, has become interested. And Walter and I talked about this last night. Um, they are actually taking pieces to the United States when they... Uh, well, they're really, family heirlooms. They're, they're still family heirlooms that are staying in the family and probably better preserved than if, if what happened a lot in Newfoundland, they were just cast yeah. aside. So, so the secret of success, of course, with your grandfather was that he had simple hand tools, but he used mass production strategies. Mm -hmm. That's right? true. Like yeah. he would make all the drawer fronts at one time, so mm -hmm. in the spring of the year, all the sides of the drawers. Hundreds of these spindles. All the spindles yeah. at one time, and he'd mm -hmm. pile them up, and then by the fall he'd have all these parts right. around, Someone. and he'd begin to assemble them. Mm -hmm. God, he was a clever man. Industrious. Yeah. You, you were saying that, the, that the, a lot of his tools still exist. Okay, yeah, they do. They have, there's a big toolbox. It was also at that exhibition that I referred to. Yes, that's correct. And uh, they're there, uh, planes and molding planes and uh, saws, uh, shaping knives, those combs that he used to... Yeah, uh, fake grains. Fake grain, fake grain combs. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to do that. So that's all still there in his toolbox at yeah. the house. But Bill should tell us about the dog. The dog <laughs> had a paw. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Is it Walter? That's it, not true. You're, you're not saying your father lied to me. Well, he, he was known to. <laughs> 
that Walter Petal is coming by. He said, I've got to find something to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is some stuff. <laughs> no, I, actually, he, t he told me that um, I saw his uh, yeah, simple hand tools, but he also had uh, several, um, well, two, I remember anyway, treadle operated machines. That's right. Yeah. Treadle operated jigsaw. That's right. With foot operated. It was a means, jigsaw and, and, a, jig and a, uh, a lathe combined. And, and, the, and yeah, the lathe. Uh, we still have that. But when you go to the exhibit, or if you've been there, you've seen, you've seen a very big, impressive sideboard as you walk in the exhibit, and you notice big posts, yeah, uh, split spindles. They were turned on a lathe. The treadle-operated lathe just produced the small spindles, right. and the big ones were, were made by the dog. <laughs> yes, it's true. I want to see that dog sometime. <laughs> well, 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 in the late 19th century, they were actually av advertised in um, mail-order catalogs, dog powers. And they advertised them, you know, that you, you could use your goat, your, <laughs> you know, your, your pet, your dogs or anything. To, and, and the ones I saw advertised actually, actually were treadmills, you know, the dog or goat or sheep or whatever would walk on the treadmill and that would power the lathe, you know. This was a big drum, apparently. Yeah. So the family dog was a husky dog, but it, it wasn't a treadmill. They had the drum like a, a hamster in its rotary mm -hmm. cage, you know, running <laughs> like this. And, and apparently the poor dog died. I don't know if it was from the exhaustion, exhaustion or what. But then, then they put poor Bill and Nick to work. They, right. had, they had to t turn the turn. drum. Yeah. You know? So that wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> I hope they got fed better than they the dog. They had a crank-type handle. They didn't run in it. No, crank -type. My dad lived to be 97. So. All that exercise. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about... Uh, his uh, his largest piece of work, I guess, in a sense, which was the house that, okay, that was constructed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the house is still there in Clark's Beach. Mm -hmm. And there is a little shop beside that is sort of attached to the house. Right. And the shop is actually the oldest part. That's of the what I was told by my dad. Yeah. That, that Now, we could look at that photo again. It looks like it's a two-story shop. Yes. My dad said when they were building, they, they <coughs> tore down the house they were living in, and they lived in that part until the new house, which is still oh, yes. there, was mm -hmm. constructed. And it, it seems like from the photograph I brought in that then they reduced that shop to one story. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, um, so the, he designed the whole house, as far as I can tell, and used the... the His decorations things, are all the over decorations the house. decorations are all over the outside everything. of the house, certainly. And on the inside. Of the yeah, oh, okay. But Big sunburst. Yeah. Impressive. But the exterior has this, this lovely spindle work uh, that, uh, you know, is sort of unusual for a house, and the yeah. elaborate eaves brackets. Yeah, that's but right. It's very, it's a very yeah. outstanding house in the area. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else quite... And right up there, too, in the eaves somewhere, is a little sunburst. That's guy. right, right in the center, the dead yeah. center of the house yeah. on the three scaffold yeah. layers up. I know that because I got up there. I love that. I painted it. A dad, my yes. dad had painted it all the what color, but I, I sort of, I scraped it off and repainted it so I think it's yellow now. Yeah. So it stands out a little more than it did yes. before. Yes. I hardly knew it was there. I, you know, if you looked up yeah. before it was painted uh, like that. No, we've uh, we've worked on that for now for about ten years. My brother and I are restoring the outside of course in, in conjunction with the Heritage Foundation. And uh, you know, that's a legacy of the family also. Now. And there are certainly there are other houses in the area. Like I know of a house in in Bear Mead that has a, 
winter mantelpieces, mm -hmm. for yes, example, because yes, yes. you know, he was well known for his mantles. They were all around. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody wanted a mantle, didn't they? Yeah, and he made them in all sizes. That's right, custom. Great made. ones with over mantles mm -hmm. on them, and relatively small. Donald oh, Cooley made pieces, and they all had their sunburst carvings on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the dog had his paw in a lot of those ones because some of them have those big, fat, split posts. Okay. You know, flanking the openings. Yeah. And the, the house entered the house. Like you mentioned that there are some features. The, he had he built, of course, the staircase. The staircase. And everything inside and, the house yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the, some of the ceilings were also, Walter mentioned one <clears throat> in the living room, but uh, there could have been others. I mean, the house in, inside had been modified quite a bit over the years. And uh, there's, that's about the only thing that I can think of mm -hmm. inside that's actually a part, other, other than a piece of furniture, that, that uh, center, uh, centerpiece for the light. And yes. Yeah. And you had, you had mentioned to me the, this, this workshop that was across the road. Mm -hmm. uh, it, when you would step out of the workshop, you were, you were right on the road. By the time, uh, by the 60s, when, when I, I was in my teens, the road had gotten wider, pavement and things. Mm -hmm. So that store, yeah. that workshop, was uh, no, uh, about three feet from the highway. And once I mentioned to you why it's gone now, it, that uh, truck um, had an accident. I <laughs> went into the sun. And they, he wasn't, my dad wasn't allowed to repair it. This was ah uh, oh, the highways department. The highways yes. department said you cannot you cannot repair this building. This building is uh, has to be uh, uh, demolished. Mm -hmm. So that's we lost that. Yeah, and it, the family still owns the property. There. We still own the property. Yeah. 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 So it's too bad that's gone. You could put the chair back there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now the chair did end up on the shop this summer at one point. My cousin was was there from Seattle. That's Nick's son. And he's been coming for a number of years now to help out on the restoration. And um, just as, I guess, just some fun or whatever. He wanted to get up there. He put a chair up and then he got up and sat in it and we took some photos <laughs> and things like that. Because there were, there were stories that would circulate uh, sort of the local folklore about, this, right. about yeah. this chair. Mm -hmm. uh, that were sort of fanciful stories, if I, if I remember. I think Ghost they are. Stories, <laughs> Ghost stories? Yes, because as a child, I was told that the older lady had died, and that at night her ghost came back and walked in the chair. And I'm sure other people. There you go. So there was, there is a ghost story today. After all, yeah, great. <laughs> of course, we heard those stories also, but uh, yes. But it's interesting. Where is the original chair? Um, I, I, I. It's long gone because I can remember one time. Um, my dad had to replace the chair, so there's probably been many chairs. So, was the chair uh, stolen at one point? Uh, when Nick was there, uh, Nick Winter, my uncle, he, he lived in the house after my grandfather died, and uh, Nick was a bit of a, a bit of a, a card or whatever. And I think somebody played a joke on him this time. They they got up there, and they stole, took the chair. And I think there it is. His spirit. <laughs> He's getting back at you. <laughs> anyway, by the end of the week, uh, taxis showed up with the chair. 
<laughs> and brought it back. So. It was common that advertising pieces be oversized. Was it an oversized chair? I, I don't. I don't think it was. I, I think it was just an ordinary. My memory chair. is dim about the chair, but I suspect at that time, uh, furniture making enterprises all around that area, down around Harbor Grace and there. And I know uh, your father told me this was the case with uh, your grandfather. Um, Chairs were very expensive to make by hand, and, mm -hmm. and they they often imported chairs, Newfoundland, these, these furniture makers, uh, from the uh, Bass River uh, furniture ma making business in Nova Scotia. It changed its name a few times. And and the chairs would be imported in, in a knockdown. Mm -hmm. And then assembled. And, and then they, they'd be assembled. It was cheaper for them to import these parts from Bass mm -hmm. River and, and assemble the chairs and sell them than it would be to make them by hand. Okay. Although Henry William Winter did make a lot of parlor sure. chairs and things like that. So I suspect that the chair that was on the roof was a simple kitchen that's chair, what I, that's perhaps what I would think. imported from Bass mm -hmm. River. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that the, the chairs have entered into the, the local folklore of the, of the area. And, and even though the shop has disappeared, people still remember the chair. And I know even some local residents now have forgotten the shop uh -huh. and think that the chair was always on top of the, the shop, that the, the, the smaller shop that's across okay, the road. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Or, or associated with the with, house. Associated with the house, exactly. Uh, yeah. Which it wasn't. No. Yeah. So what, when, uh, do you think the family now has a, a greater understanding of sort of the importance of the, the grandfather's well, life? Uh, I certainly do and I think my brother does and, and, and most of our family does, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's been really, uh, I refer to Walter again, you know, it's, it's partly to do with, with your writings and research and everything else that, that's, that's made him a prominent person. Well, he spoke for himself, that's, uh -huh. what, that's for sure. I know, but somebody has to, has, then has to speak for him if he's gone, so. That's true. Well, we're all going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Walter, there are a few pieces of winters in in the exhibit that's on. Yes, yeah, so and when you go up there, closely located uh, uh, nearby the big impressive uh, <clears throat> piece of furniture the dog built um, <laughs> is uh, a, a, a typical winter couch, um, very uh, ornate, uh, upholstered using painted sailcloth, which was you know commonly done here. If you look on the back back of it, uh, on the, the wood around the top of the back, there's a crowning section there. You'll notice there, there's two dog's heads. Um, they're sort of looking in opposite directions, um, flanking the, the central crown. And that was in, that was recognizing the fact that the dog had a paw <laughs> in making these spindles. Yeah. So that's something to look for. Uh, that that's a very interesting yeah, thing. It could have been a lion's head or anything. Yeah, they are they're but, two dog heads, yeah. and and that was in recognition of the family okay. family dog. Yeah. Your 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 father told me no, that's gospel. Must be true. It's gospel. <laughs> <laughs> if Walter's telling the story now, it must be true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I didn't get the, you to fill up the slide of that of that sideboard earlier. Can you just take a look if you want? Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 So now the family has co started to collect sort of some of the We have the over pieces. the past 10 yeah. or, or, or so years, every time. People do call us occasionally, you know, and say they have a mantle piece or... Yeah. yeah. Now look, there's the dog's work right here. 
That's, that's what the dog did. Or maybe, maybe Nick and, and your father <laughs> did it in later years. Yeah. So that was turned and then split. Is that the way that was? Yes, it was a turn in a lathe by the dog running yeah. around and then split using saw, I suppose. Half put on each side. Yes, half mm -hmm. put on each side. What kind of wood was he using? Anything he could get his yeah. hands on. But uh, he, he did have a lot of pine. There was some pine located nearby, apparently, that they could cut. But they had this shop, you see. And people uh, commonly used the boards from shipping boxes to make furniture because wood was scarce here. This stuff was already cut, seasoned, it didn't cost anything. And your, your father again mentioned that in fact, yes, parts of these shipping crates were recycled. Mm -hmm. you know. I think they made counter at one point. He made some counters for the shop out of very thin plywood, yes, yes. which was part of the, right. uh, the shipping crate. Yes. So we used that too. Yeah, common practice. Yeah. Bill, you'd also mentioned that some of the tools came in handy when you were doing the restoration of the of the building. That's true. Yeah, we um, we encountered uh, some problems getting uh, being able to duplicate moldings, certain little moldings and things that we needed. At, uh, these were on the exterior. So a friend of mine was uh, was helping out. He came from uh, British Columbia, and uh, he said, "Well, let's because uh, I went to the the, the local um, building supply places, but." You know, nothing like it, nothing, nothing like. remotely resembling it. And this was just a simple thing. So uh, my friend Steve said, well, let's have a look at in the toolbox. So there's a molding plane there, yes, and it had right. exactly the, the form the right we needed. Yeah. Hey, so you we, can make reproductions. And stuff <laughs> so <up. laughs> we cut the, uh, just cut some strips and uh, planed out some of these, uh, these moldings that we needed. Yeah, worked out fine. And um, you were able to match these to match, yeah. It was yeah. just a simple. It was a simple yeah. molding that yeah. was used on the outside of the house, yeah. and I'm sure he, like you said, he the outside the decorations on the outside were similar to what he used mm -hmm. in, in the furniture. Mm -hmm. You know, he sure. he, uh, he utilized all, all those things, mm -hmm. the spindles on the on the porch and all that. And an, an interesting point too is you know he had no Irish background, of course. Uh, he may have had some, but uh, mm -hmm. part of the family has Denmark history. And I guess his, his mother, she was a Hayes. I'm a, I'm yes. assume she was from Ireland. Now, apparently family. he picked up ideas, probably some from pattern books and things like that. But a lot of furniture makers, whether they're self-taught or not, just had a look around and, and they, they were influenced by what they saw. Mm -hmm. Because interestingly, his sideboards and other work, his couches are full of Irish inspiration. I, I point them out. And that's because he observed what was around. Yes. And did you see the pedestals he made for the Roman Catholic mm -hmm. Church in, in, in North, North River? River. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's too bad they, they put those aside now. Oh, that is too bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, but thank you both. Okay. Thank you much for your stories and your memories. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. 
Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.